morning, everybody. If you would, please stand for the reading of today's word. It comes from Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 17 through 26. Uh, you have a Bible in the seat in front of you or below you. Uh, you can follow along there or they'll be up on the screen. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praise God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. You may be seated. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. That's my husband. Nothing is more attractive than seeing my husband read his Bible, ladies. Come on. Come on, husbands. All right, y'all can go home. That's the end of the message. Just soak that in for a minute. So. I'm kidding. My name is Katie. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just glad that you're here with us uh, this morning on this Sunday morning. We um, have already had an awesome moment together as we got to worship the Lord, and I am um, just like honored to be able to speak on this topic today. We're in the middle of a series called Shapes, where we're taking a look at the things that have shaped our lives. Um, specifically, we're talking about five influences over our life, family of origin, trauma, uh, relationships, habits, culture. I think that's all of them, five of them. But there are more influences in our life, but these are five that we feel like have a, just a large impact on who we are uh, before Jesus and all also as we're walking out our faith together. And we're talking about this because when we become a, Christ, when we become a Christian, we automatically assume like everything's going to change, which is true. You have a new heart and you have a new future, but your past is still there right? We have, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome our past, but it's still there. And uh, so we're taking time to address that. And Pastor Jason gave us a quote a couple of weeks ago that we love from a pastor named Pete Cesario. And it says, Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. And that is so true for all of us. And it explains why you can be a Christian for 20 years, coming to church, going to a group, praying, even reading your Bible, but you still struggle with anger or vices from your youth or avoiding conflict or being passive aggressive and we're full of good intentions. And there is, but there is another power working against us, fighting against us. We have two identities. We have who we were before Jesus and then we have this faith in Jesus, but we still have the same tendencies and the same past that we had before. It's a battle between two identities that have shaped us. One of them is who we believe that we are and one of them who God is wanting us to become, right? And so we actually walk around and we're like, 
you know, in this culture, we're like, I am who I choose to be. I am an independent person. I am who I choose. And actually, that's not true. You're actually, at a young age, you're who your family tells you that you are. And then as you grow older, you're who your friends tell you that you are. You know, even now, we are who our friends tell us that we are. And relationships is what we're going to talk about today and how they have shaped us and continue to shape us. Our community shapes us. And so I want to show you this slide. Um, and it kind of shows us what unhealthy relationships kind of how we uh, qualities that we have in unhealthy relationships in this broken world that we live in, whether it's before we meet Jesus or even now. Um, and on the list, you see things like being defensive, having low self-awareness, isolate ourselves. We end up blaming others uh, for things and we're fearful, self-absorbed have addictions, and we're dishonest. And that's how relationships look in the broken world that we live in. But through Jesus, through formation in him and being transformed by him, we can have the qualities on the right. We can become approachable. We can have self-awareness. We can um, become non-reactive and taking responsibility for our actions and take delight and courage and offering ourselves as a gift to someone else and honesty and freedom See, relationships can have those great qualities as we look to Jesus and be formed by him, right? But what do I mean by relationships? Like, I'm not just talking romantic relationships, right? So I want to use the definition from the American Psychological Association. It says, A continuing and often committed association between two or more people, as in family, friends, marriage, partnership, or any other interpersonal link in which the participants have some degree of influence over each other's thoughts, feelings, and actions. So you have relationships in your life that have a degree of influence over your thoughts, the way you think about things, the way you feel, and how we act, right? So we think um, maybe the influence, like what we commit to, like all of my friends are like in the PTA. Does that mean I need to commit to the PTA? Or like, do I need to commit to like a travel sport, right? Or um, it influences, relationship influence and determines like what we spend our money on. Like if all my friends are going out for like fancy dinners, so I need to go to fancy dinners too or concerts or things like that. It kind of determines what we're going to spend our money on. It influences what we believe or our values or how we feel about ourselves. Relationships will um, depend on like where we work or how we spend our time, right? Is influence or friendships are our influence and it's um, a becomes our definition of what is normal or what is wise. Because there's power in the word like everyone. Well, everyone, you know, is doing it. Like everyone is wearing Carhartt now, right? (laughs) It's really warm. But you're not wearing Carhartt because you decided to wear Carhartt. You're wearing it because everyone else is wearing Carhartt, you know? And we think that we are the influencers, but we're actually being influenced every single day by the people around us. We've had relationships that have caused us discomfort or pain that have shaped us. Maybe you've had some, like, not great relationships or, you know, the person you thought you were going to marry and they ended up cheating on you. That has formed you and shaped you into a kind of person. Or, like, maybe you're like me. Like, um, I was that kid that always fell asleep early during slumber parties, like, and had, like, the toothpaste in the face. Like, that shaped me a little bit. Like, don't fall asleep early. Your friends might play mean tricks on you, Right? So you have these different things that have shaped us. Or maybe you've had a friend that you thought was going to be your best friend forever, and they were even in your wedding, but, like, for whatever reason, like, they quit talking to you, and that's kind of, like, shaped you, you know? Maybe made you less trusting of people. 
They affect relationships and friendships affect our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, and all of our lives are impacted by relationships. And when something is this important in our lives, we can't not talk about it. We have to be intentional about who we're spending our time with. All throughout the book of Proverbs, it says that people will perish for a lack of friends or the wrong friends. So in the book of Proverbs, where we find wisdom, it says things like, walk with the wise, y'all know this, and become wise. And then it says, associate with fools and get in trouble. Solomon in here does not say, be a fool and get in trouble. He says, if you associate with fools, you'll get in trouble. The people that you hang out with will get you in trouble. And the word fool here is an adjective. It means that um, the way that it's translated is intentionally rejecting wisdom. So if you're hanging out with people that are intentionally rejecting wisdom, then you will find yourself in trouble and in harm. And that can be so hard sometimes. So what do we do? Do we just not be in relationships? We just like not have friendships that are really close that are going to like impact us negatively? Is that the answer to kind of just, you know, push everyone to the side? In his book, The DNA of Relationship, counselor Gary Smalley argues for countless hours, after countless hours of research and observation alongside the wisdom of the Bible, that we are hardwired for relationships. This is one of the three main points of the book. He shares this story. So the other day I received a letter from a young man who had gotten back together with his girlfriend after a difficult conflict and a terrible fight. Eric had been working through some things at our counseling center and apparently had helped, it had helped him and his girlfriend and they got back together. Eric's closing sentence was, sometimes I feel like I can't live with her and yet I know I can't live without her. How often do we hear that said? Well, there's a reason for that. It's in our DNA. We are made to need relationships. Even when they're hard, difficult, or just plain frustrating, we need relationships. It is the way we are wired. We have a longing to belong, to be wanted and cherished. Dr. Alan Shore of UCLA Medical School has found that our basic genetic structure within the brain is hardwired to form emotionally-based connection relationship from birth. Relationships are not optional. From the moment we're born, we're in relationships with parents, siblings, and other relatives. Soon we're in relationships with other children. Later we have relationships at school and in the workplace and develop close friends. When a relationship becomes difficult or painful, we tend to dismiss the relationship and may even abandon all friendships for a while, but inevitably we come back to seek connection again. Though we can choose how we participate in relationships, we have no choice on whether or not we will participate in them. That's a critical point. Our only real choice is whether we will work to make our relationships healthy or whether we will do things that hinder or enhance them. Dr. Dean Ornish found that the research loneliness and isolation increased the likelihood of disease and premature death from all cases by 200 to 500 percent or more. In short, anything that promotes a sense of isolation often leads to illness and suffering, and anything that promotes a sense of love, intimacy, connection, and community is healing. We are hardwired for relationships, so we cannot say, well, I just won't be around people, but I love the line that says, though we can choose how we will participate in relationships, we have no choice about whether or not we participate in them. We do not have a choice about not having friends and relationships, but we do have a choice about who we spend our time with. We have a choice about who we're in relationships and friendships with. At a young age, it's decided for us. 
you know, our best friends are, like my best friend was my cousin. He's a month younger than me. Like we hung out all the time. That was my friend, right? My sisters were my best friends. Your friendships were formed because your parents were friends with their parents, right? At a young age, we have no choice over who we're hanging out with. We're like, we're on the same sports. We both like basketball, whatever. Like it just happens to be whoever we're at school with or whoever our friends are around. But now every relationship you are in right now is your choice. Every relationship you are prioritizing right now is your choice. You made the conscious decision to be in that relationship and that friendship. So you meet Jesus and you're a new person with a new future. But we have other things that are working against us like trauma and the impact of family of origin. But we also have group texts we're still in, people we're still hanging out with on the weekends, friends that we're still calling, right? See, we're trying to be more like Jesus. We're changing things like how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we're doing on Sundays, but we're still in the same friendships and relationships. And most of us, we come to Jesus, and I don't know if you're like me, I got saved in early 20s, and immediately I was like, I cannot hang out with certain people. Like, it will not be good, right? It will take me in the other direction. And that's hard. Trust me, I have been there to separate myself from somebody that I had been friends with for a while. But what's even harder is as you're walking out your faith and you're going forward in your faith and you have momentum and then there's a gap between you and somebody in your life. And they're not a bad person by any means, but there's something that is now distant. There is a distance between you and them. And that can be so hard to recognize or remove but we have a choice. But you, it's hard because you feel like you, maybe you're selfish, but you have to come to a place where you're like, I'm not better than you. I'm just in a different place than you are. I'm just in a different place than you are. I'm not saying that there's good trees or bad trees or anything like that. Like there's apple trees and there's orange trees. And you might be allergic to apples or allergic to oranges, but it doesn't mean that apples or oranges are bad. It just means that one of them will make you sick and one of them will help you move, nourish you, Right? So it's not that you, they're bad people or any of that, but there are relationships in your life that are keeping you from becoming who God has called you to be. So we have to inspect it. We have to inspect our relationships because some of our relationships are moving us forward and some are holding our back, holding us back. Where there's lack of intentionality, it means that we believe that God has less for us and that's just not true. We classify things as not toxic So that must be good if it's not toxic. But God wants something so much bigger and better for us than just not toxic, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says, don't be fooled, bad company corrupts good character. Why is Paul warning us here? Because we could be fooled. And he says, watch out, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There's an influence, there's an impact on your life that's happening right now. And, good, and bad company will corrupt good character. Your welfare and your well-being is not just determined by who you are. It's equally impacted by who you are with. But can I give you the good news? That impact can also be for good. There are good relationships in your life, good healthy relationships that you can have that will impact you for good. It says in Proverbs that a friend is chosen and they stick closer than a brother. You can have friendships that stick closer to you than your own siblings. And the word friend here is the Hebrew word cleave, 
which means committed out of passionate love. You can have relationships in your life that are committed to you out of passionate love. Friendships formed out of love means that you're walking next to each other. You're in your purpose and you're walking forward. And friendships are honestly kind of underrated in our culture. We hear about romantic relationships, movies about romantic relationships, or um, in traditional cultures, it's more about family. But friendships are something that the Bible says are, can bring you so much joy, so much love in your life that other relationships can't. Friendships like Jonathan and King David, you read about their friendship and you're like, oh my gosh, they definitely had a love for each other. Friendships like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know them, they got thrown into the fire, right, together. They're next to each other together, but then God's there with them. You have friendships in your life that when you face adversity, they're going to bring you closer to the Lord and closer to each other. Those furnace friendships are important. And we want those. And C.S. Lewis kind of describes friendship for us. It says that the companionship was between people who were doing something together, hunting, studying, painting, or what you will. The friends will still be doing something together, but something more inward, less widely shared and less easily defined, still hunters, but of some material quarry, still collaborating, but in some work that that world does not... Oops does not or not yet take account of, still traveling companions, but on a different kind of journey. Hence, we picture lovers face to face, but friends are side by side with their eyes looking ahead. You can have friends that you're walking next to, looking forward in your faith together, looking forward in your faith. And it's, there's, but there's no such thing as a neutral relationship. A relationship is either holding you back and pulling you backwards little by little, are taking you forward. It could be giant steps, it could be little, but you have friends in your life that you're walking with that are either causing resistance in your faith or momentum. Causing us to have resistance or, or momentum, but you have a choice. Your friends, you chose your friends today, and I know it's hard, but separation is not selfish. It's not selfish because you need to link arms with someone going forward. And I don't know about you, but I want to have friends that I have momentum with. I want to have people in my life that I'm going forward in my faith with. And I want to have the qualities that we listed before, honesty, approachability, courage, right? I don't want to be defensive. I don't want to blame others. I want to have healthy relationships in my life. So what does that look like? And I want to read the story to you all again that Brad read at the very beginning in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to see what a healthy, uh, what the characteristics of a healthy friendship looks like. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strong, strongly with Jesus. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat, or they were carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on top of the roof, took off some tiles, Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will will prove to you that I am the Son of Man and have the authority over earth. 
to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And Emily, as everyone, everyone wants, the man jumped up and picked, picked up his mat and went, went home praying God. Everyone was great with grandeur, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing, amazing things today. I'm pretty sure they had seen pretty amazing things today. We see this, this story, characteristics of what a friendship could look like, like right? And I just, it, it, for me, as I was, I was reading this, four things kind of stuck out to me of what, of what a healthy relationship would like. And the first one is his commitment. We're, we're talking guys carried a man, their friend, a paralyzed across, across town. Like I picked my seven-year-old up, was dead asleep, and I can barely like walk in the door. door. But like they're carrying this guy. They are admitted across town. They're like, I am going to carry my friend all the, all the way there. And they get there and the house is full. And they don't say, oh, let's just wait. We'll see if Jesus comes out later. You know, they climb on top of the house. Like they have a commitment. They're like, I am going to get my friend to be healed. I'm going to get my friend to Jesus. And I'm going to climb on top of this house. And then they start like opening it, like opening up a hole and I'm, can't help but think like whose house is this? They're just like, okay, we're just gonna like, we're just gonna ignore the fact that they are ripping holes in the house. I actually think it might be Peter's mom or mother-in-law, but I'm not sure. But uh, they're like, and it's not just a little hole. They had to drop a grown man into the hole. So like, this big hole. So they're committed. So relationships in our life, the healthy ones are, we're gonna show commitment. We're gonna say, I'm gonna carry you when you can't carry yourself. I'm committed to climbing on top of a house and opening the hole and bringing you to Jesus. Healthy relationships show commitment no matter what. Do you have those in your life? Beyond your spouse, do you have friendships that you're walking arm in arm and you're gonna say, we're gonna, you know what? We're actually gonna climb this house together and we're gonna lift our friend. This is like a group of them, right? That's commitment. The next one is something that I struggle with and I know that I'm not the only one and it's vulnerability, vulnerability, this man had to be okay with needing help, had to be okay with the fact that he could not do it for himself. He could not get to that house himself. He could not climb up there himself. He had to be like, I need help. And we all have a mat. We might not be paralyzed in laying on a mat, but we have something in our life that we need to bring somebody into. And most of the time, it's something beneath the surface that we are scared to be vulnerable about. Insecurities, addictions, trauma from abuse, something in your life that says like, I really need to bring that to the surface. I need to be able to be vulnerable with somebody. I need to be able to say like, I am not okay. I'm not paralyzed laying on a mat, but I feel like it. I feel like I'm knocked down. I'm struggling with depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. You have to have a place of friendship and relationship where you can be vulnerable where you can be vulnerable, just like this man here. We need friends that are willing to carry us through that, but we also need to be, have the courage to be vulnerable to say that I need help. I have people that I love in my life that are carrying me sometimes, and sometimes I'm carrying them, but if they don't know that I'm down, I'm on my own, right? So we have to have relationships where we can be vulnerable. And so in the third one, so we have commitment here, we have vulnerability, and then we have trust He's like, sure, put me on this mat and dangle me down this house. I have no idea how tall this house is, but he is like free falling. He cannot help himself. He's trusting that they're doing the right thing. 
He's trusting them as they climb, like, I'll come back for you. We're going to climb up here and dig this hole. We're going to come back. He's probably like laying there saying like, are they really coming back? What are they doing? And then he's like, okay, I'm going to trust you to lower me into this house. So you have to have a place where you can feel like you can be trusted, but also be a friend that can trust others. You can have that. We can have that. That is a healthy thing. And Jesus actually tells us in John 15, like what a friendship looks like. And these men are displaying it beautifully. John chapter 15, in verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for your friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. Jesus says, I am your friend because I have confided in you and we need friends that we can too confide in, that we can trust. We can trust to bring us along the way. So we have commitment, we have vulnerability, we have trust. And the last thing is faith. It says that Jesus, after this man is, I'm not sure what Jesus was thinking when it's happening, but after the man is on the floor, he looks up in the hole, sees his friends, and he's like, because of your faith, he is healed. Because of your faith, your friend is now able to walk. So you need people in your life that'll point you to Jesus when you're struggling. Point you to Jesus whenever you feel like you can't do it yourself. Faith in Jesus, it means that you're linking arms with people and moving forward in friendship and relationships and people that will call you and you pray with them. I have my best friend, Jessie. We've been best friends for 13 years. You all probably know her. She's speaking in a couple of weeks, so get ready. She's amazing. But we are that for each other a couple of months ago. She is like mad, angry, had some family stuff going on, and she is so mad. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for you. She's like, no, don't you pray for me. I just want to be mad right now, you know? And I'm like, well, I am praying for you. You can be mad at me for praying for you, but I'm going to. And then like a month later, I'm having stuff going on. I'm like, I cannot believe what's going on. She's like, I'm going to pray for you. And I look at her and I was like, no. But she prayed for me because in the moment we were in our emotions and we had to have friends that are going to point us back to Jesus. Take us back to Jesus and say, because of your faith, I can have faith. Because of your faith, I can be healed. Healthy relationships look like commitment they look like trust and vulnerability, but ultimately faith in Jesus together, faith that he is the ultimate friend because he paid the price for us and people that'll help us to remember that in the moments where we feel down. And I go back to that slide that I showed before. The things that have shaped us, we have become defensive. We have lost our self-awareness and or isolated and we begin to blame others and all these things that have shaped us into the relationships that we are, but we through Jesus can have healthy relationships where we can be approachable, take responsibility for our own actions, have courage and delight in those. And I want those and I will know that you do too, but it can be so hard to separate yourself from somebody, but it's not selfish. It's saying, I am not better than you. I'm just in a different place. But finding people in your life that you can stand next to and move forward with, that you can count on, that's beautiful. Relationships shape us for both good and bad. 
but we can find healthy relationships and make the decision today to prioritize the ones that are helping us become more like Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to have the prayer team come down and we're also going to have a time of worship and communion. And as we take communion, remember that Jesus is our ultimate friend. He is the one that's committed to us. He is the one we can go to with our vulnerabilities and all of that and all of our mess. And he loves us anyway. And as we take communion, we remember it's because he died on the cross for us. And he is our friend. And he is guiding us. And he has given us spiritual wisdom to know who to be around and who not to. Who's taking me further away from him and who's bringing me closer to him. So I encourage you to take a moment and reflect on that. And ask Jesus to help you to have wisdom as you're creating healthy relationships in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your word says that we should love others, but we also can use wisdom and discernment to decide who to spend our time with, to not prioritize every relationship in our life, but instead come to you to say, who is it that I need to surround myself with, Lord? God, I pray for those in the room that are maybe new to their faith or have decided to commit their life to Jesus and they're wrestling with conviction of maybe walking away from some relationships. God, I pray that you give them strength. God, I pray that you give them discernment and wisdom to know that it's okay. That you want something so much better for us than just not toxic. God, you want something good for our lives. God, you want friends and relationships in our life that are gonna bring us closer to you, Lord. God, I pray for anyone in the room that just is uncertain. God, I pray that you just give them certainty today and courage today. God, I thank you that you formed us. You hardwired us to want community. God, I pray for Hope City Church to be a place of community, a place where relationships can be built on things that are drawing us closer to you, Lord. God, I pray for the friendships that are being built in this room and the ones beyond this room, God. God, I pray that we still have the courage to go out and make disciples, God, and bring people to you, Lord Jesus, but we prioritize our time and our um, efforts into the relationships that are helping us move forward in our faith to be more and more like you than we were yesterday. In your holy name we pray, amen.